This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Gadget Geek show number 505, recorded on September 23rd, 2021. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from Mike, my favorite. Like, we are now in my favorite season. It has arrived. Fall is here. It's chilly. Some warm afternoons. You got to like it, right? The grass is looking good. All those things. I love getting home from work, being able to play basketball, ride the scooters around with the kids, and not just sweat. Oh, ton, yeah. right it's like yeah. nice and cool you can almost wear a jacket and have it be comfortable it's my favorite it's my absolute favorite i agree ross brands hanging out with us tonight ross uh welcome back and how's the weather where tell me tell us again where you are where do you live hey thanks for having me it's great to be yeah. back yeah. um yeah i'm in new jersey oh, that's not, right about that's 45 right. minutes from new york city mm-hmm. and it still can be pretty warm and humid yeah. here you got to um, we have a week or two of it and then it falls then, on its way you know each year it seems that fall is getting less and less and later and later so yeah. even by christmas you'll have you'll be having 70 degree days yeah, it's not but so then when the winter hits it hits <laughs> right and you might get snow you might get a you, you might get several snowstorms you might only get one or two but either way the winter has its definite cold side but yeah. it seems like the seasons are moving because i oh. also used to remember swimming always on memorial day weekend and now it's still too cold usually yeah. to swim yeah. on memorial day weekend it, it may be po- that may be possible i was I, I remember when we first moved to nebraska 30 years ago that winter that first winter it didn't get above 20 degrees celsius wow. no fahrenheit for 60 days straight something like that like it was and they were like oh yeah it's always like this you know it's coming from california and i'm like oh god <laughs> like what what have i done why have i moved to this place right this this and i like cold weather don't get me wrong i like it but i didn't like it that much and listen if this is the new environment i'm all for it because it stays a little bit warmer and and yeah, some people say it cheats our fall. I don't think it does. I, 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 I don't know. I'm kind of for it. So, I'm out there burning styrofoam in my in my uh, in my fire pit, just you know, trying to get all that. Not really. Don't environmentalists don't write me. I don't. Not interested. Anyways, we post a show with world class show notes. Not a lot of show notes tonight, but uh, you can you can get access to those all out at the average guy uh, TV. Big thanks to Ed Sullivan, Ed, who was on two weeks ago when we were on here prepping for the. Uh, the Boston or the two guys, uh, Cigar Authority um, uh, anniversary party, as they call it. Their, I think it was 34th an- an- annual or something like that. And uh, Mike, I've never smoked so many cigars in my life. It was a forest fire. Like, See, and I, oh man, that is like because even when when you and I will enjoy one, because yeah. the only time I ever enjoy them is with you. Like that that my mouth is so like dry mm-hmm. for like the next 48 hours. Like, I, I don't know how I couldn't do two. I don't think. Cause it's just, I can't even handle one. It is uh uh Ross. Do you, do you enjoy a cigar from time to time? Are you I, a cigar? I guy don't sm- I'm not a smoker. Don't at all. start. 
don't start. Okay, don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't start. It's a, it's one of those kinds of things. And you know, whatever I, my motto is, whatever's worth doing is worth overdoing. Right. And so I've, you know, I've gotten all in on this cigar thing. And I think I, I think I reached my theoretical limit this week. <laughs> like it was, it was three or four a day. I think one of the days I did five, that was probably the most I did, but as I was flying back, uh, Ed dropped me off. But anyways, big thanks to Ed. I stayed with Ed. He was my host while I was there. Drove me around. Was my taxi guy and my Uber guy. He was fantastic. So, Ed, thanks for both coming on the show two weeks ago as well as hanging out with him. He's just um, He was just a great guy to hang out with. Um, but Mike on the plane on the way back, I was like, oh, I need a break. <laughs> like, I don't, you know, I physically didn't feel like I could. You know, it was one of those things I didn't want to. Right. I didn't feel like it. It wasn't one of those things like, uh, you know, so I had a friend tell me, you know, be careful, you know, nicotine, don't get addicted. Well, I tried to get addicted. <laughs> my body said, no. so they called me, uh, and there's some inside joke on this, but they call me the quitter while I was out there in Boston and eh, maybe it fits. Cause it's like, Oh, I took the whole week. I'm taking the whole week off. Time for a new hobby. Oh well, at least for the at least for the short term. Yeah, uh, to get it done, and Wish then I get you ham radio. Yeah, don't get me started on that. Like that, then I have the house wired up. You okay, know, so I'll be, go ahead. Real quick story though. So while you uh, that weekend, it was either the weekend you were there. I think it was, or the weekend before. Can't remember. We were out camping, and yeah. I can't remember if I mentioned this on the show, but during my activation, so I did parks on the air where you activate a park, right? So you get on the ham radio, you try to make as many contacts. I didn't write down, I didn't make a comment of who it was, but someone says, hey, by the way, I listened to the show. Tell Jim he needs to get in the ham radio. Uh, and the one of the guys just randomly that I made contact with was one of our listeners. So, hey, if you're that listener, by the way, I need to know who that is. Uh, just send me a, a DM in Discord or Twitter or the many ways you can reach me and let me know that was you. Because I got to know who that was. It's going to happen. I have to take a test. Interested in learning Let's just be really about that. So um, from time to time, for whatever reason, I'm having some video uh, issues. Tonight. And audio it's, that time. Your audio did, got weird did it, that time. Did it get weird? It's okay. Yeah. So for whatever reason, I got to figure out what's going on. It's very sporadic. It's about every three minutes or something. I can see in StreamYard, the, the, there's a little meter that comes up that says, hey, you're struggling. So eh, mm. we'll, get pa- we'll get past it. It's all right. It. It's not terrible. Um, Big thanks to Dave Garofalo out there as well, a Cigar Authority. Got a chance to do their after show. So if you want to, I had some podcast recommendations for them on the way they do their podcast as a follow-up to the full show that I did last year. And it was a ton of fun. So if you if you listen to one, just go to Cigar Authority, listen to the after show from this week. It came out yeah, Tuesday or Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday. And uh, and we had good fun uh, on the show as well. So it's, it's good Good to be back. Good to be back in the saddle. Good to breathe some some air. Mike, the party. Ross, the party. Like, imagine 400 guys all smoking cigars <laughs> in a room that had one door open. And it was just a hazy, like at one point, it was a forest fire is what it was. I mean, it just was smoky. I had to go out and get some air. They say it's fun. I enjoy it. And, uh, and so it was good. It was, it was all good, but you probably, so I'm curious, what kind of venue can you rent out that would allow that allows yeah, that? Yeah. Right? There's one left like in the whole area that would actually do that. And then the next day they come in and like carpet, Bug you know, put stuff the on the place. carpets <laughs> and they wipe down all the walls <laughs> and clean all the glass. I mean, wow. they had a wedding reception in there that e- the next evening and you couldn't, 
they spray it, you know, they deodorize wow. it and all those things. So pretty amazing. That yeah. building, this is the last one they're having in that building. The building's getting torn down for new development. And so they're, they're going to be doing it someplace next year. So um, I've had enough for this year. I think I'm good. I think I, you know, settle, slow down a little bit and just enjoy it. But big thanks to Ed. Ross, uh, who, who supports us on Patreon as well, Ross contacted me and said, hey, I'd love to come on and talk a little bit. By the way, thanks for supporting us, Ross. Appreciate yeah, of course. That. Always, always great to have you as a Patreon um, supporter. But you did a crazy thing, Ross. Crazy, insane, like you're nuts. I don't know how you did this. You wrote a book. And not only did you do it this year, but you did it last year as well. And you're self-published. So you, you, you didn't have somebody do it for you. Ross, what are you thinking? Why would you do something like this? So tell us a little bit about what you wrote, why you okay. wrote it, some of those kinds of things. So this is actually the first book, oh, okay. but it's the sixth edition of the annual predictions it, that it, you know, you've know you been a part of and a, a lot of mm -hmm. people in the live streaming podcasting, YouTube community, and, and other online creators and entrepreneurs. And I started doing it in 2015, just shortly after I found live streaming and started thinking, okay, this is really developing. Let's see where, <laughs> what people think who are people who are very active and have some expertise. And each year kind of got bigger and I added more people to it. And, um, it, it, then finally at the, what, what we call the, the fifth year anniversary of live stream universe, which gets confusing because the sixth predictions came after the fifth anniversary, since I started the predictions within a couple of months. Not that anybody cares about this, but just for the sake of why he seems to keep saying five or six. So yeah. there was a fifth anniversary party, and I invited, I think, everybody who's been a guest on my show, contributed to the predictions, whatever. I ended up having like 60 guests on. And when I was having all these people on, I said, well, you know, every year it's a lot of work to write all these people and then write them back and remind them and, go, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into doing this prediction thing when you get over 100 and 150 and so forth. So I said, why not, while I've got all these people here, why not ask them for a prediction? Mm -hmm. Of course, when people speak instead of write, it's not going to be three sentences. And there's conversation before the prediction and after the prediction, all of which ended up being a ton of content. And so I figured, okay, I kind of like the con the conversation before and after because it, it, it kind of shows all the common experiences that online creators have had and events that we've all been to. And so I, I started transcribing all this stuff. I, you know, put in Otter AI and then I had to clean each, each one up and, you know, did what I would normally do for the blog post and realized I had, I don't know, 40,000 words or, you know, 35,000 words. I'm like, this could be a book. So I went out, I got somebody to write a forward. I wrote a preface and I wrote I rewrote the introductory chapter that would have gone with the blog because it's now several months later. And then I went and reached out to about, about 25 people who weren't in the original predict, the original predictions. I don't even remember now how many people it had, it had, but 
I reached out to more people. So there was going to be a fair amount of content that was exclusive to the book. And then at the back section, I have some resources and lists and things. So the transcribing part, like, yeah, I guess it's easier than writing a book from scratch, but I'm not sure. <laughs> when you're doing all that yourself, yeah, no, I'm not I, sure. I think it's that the same it amount of work. I think it's the same amount of work. I mean, it's it's great that we have all these tra transcription engines, you know, that are available to you. There's all these different kinds. You mentioned Otter, and that's the one I used. But there's right. there's Descript, and there's a bunch of other ones, right? But by the time you sit down, I man, I have an editor at work that does this kind of work for me for for the the Gallup podcast, right. and it's a four to one ratio. I mean, it's four hours for every one hour of recording. Just no way to slice it, even if you have. Sometimes I wonder if it'd be easier to have a really good, per, you know, somebody who would listen and then just type it out, if that'd be any faster, you know, because you end up <laughs> fixing a ton of stuff that's in there. Now, right. to be fair, right, the transcriptions are getting better, like they're, and they mm -hmm. continue to, they continue to improve. Uh, uh, Amazon has a service, Azure has a service for it. Like right. there's a lot of things you can do with it. But in your case, you're writing a book and it's how people speak and we don't speak as well as we Right. Right. So there's yeah. there's a couple levels of it. Right. One is right. the transcript that might be good enough to accompany a podcast or a live stream, which is or go in a blog, which is doesn't have to have perfect sentence structure. It's pretty much here is another way to consume this material as it was delivered. You're cleaning up mistakes, you're cleaning up just to make it just to make it be what was actually said. Well, and, if and you get to that SEO point too, right? Right, right. Yeah, it's it's mainly just to drive so that there's it's searchable. You can you know search those keywords, and it's you know people might go through and read the whole transcript. That's not the probably the goal of yeah. it. Whereas with a book, it totally is. Yeah, when you have five five plus hours of material that that's been transcribed, now it's a matter of picking out what what works from each one so that mm -hmm. these chapters aren't just run on and run on and run on. And then the, the next thing is you do have to sort of rewrite things a little bit so that it's readable as a book without changing anybody's meaning without, you know, greatly changing the words. You have to clean up the, the, the paragraphs and sentence structure. Mm -hmm. Otherwise it would get very tiring. I think. Well, I mean, this is my first time doing it, so maybe yeah. other people do it other ways. But I wanted it to still feel like you weren't getting bogged down in, you know, you know how people talk. I'm probably doing it now. We repeat ourselves. We 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 make a point, and then we make the same point three more times. Mm -hmm. You know, we we throw in a lot of you knows and I means and things, and and I might have taken some of that out. Right. The first go round, but the the the, the last go round, it was okay. Yeah. If it doesn't move the thing forward, it's not going in. Right. right? So uh, Ross, other got... than a little bit of like, hey, good to see Jim, right. whatever, right. just to make it feel like it was conversational and part of from an event. But other than that, then it it's like let's get to what we're going to talk about, unless there was some something that was like funny or historical or something that was like, okay, that, that could help by being in that's that adds some color. So Ross, you got the content then <laughs> at that point. And so you've got all these words 
talked mm-hmm. a little bit about, okay, and you got them in some kind of logical order. You could post them online. By the way, posting conversational words online for Google is not as valuable as actually well-written content. Google will actually score you less. So, like, if it's a conversation, if it doesn't, you know, our conversations don't always make good grammar when we do it, right? Mm-hmm. And you get a negative bump on SEO if you're if it's not. So, if you're gonna, if you don't take, don't take transcriptions straight as they are and load them, you need to kind of clean them up to make sure they're really they're grammatically sound. Otherwise, you get penalized by Google. I'm learning new things. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Unf- right. I found that out at work, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, so, I used yeah. I u- I actually did a blog post first, mm-hmm. so that's why it was so important for me to go out and get more people, so that about a quarter of the book would be all new content, because a lot of the book was the annual predictions blog post. So I did what I would always do: did a quote graphic for everybody. But because the entries were longer, I added in other graphics with quotes. Um, And I did add, usually I've not before used an SEO tool, but I used Yoast, I think, Mm -hmm. SEO, the WordPress plugin. Mm -hmm. And they've got all these different rules, which I don't know. I I think they're more meant to be guidelines that they score you by, (laughs) but like I'm trying to get into the green or the, you know, whatever. And so now I'm going through and I'm breaking up more like this, just like, I think just trying to SEO the blog post in and of itself was like a three day project (laughs) all day. I mean, there were a lot of, lot of long nights working on this. uh, Oh, what did you use uh, Ross? what did you use on the editing side? So, as you're bringing all this content in and doing some of the edits, did you use just use Word or what did you use as an editor? Up to 70, 77 predictions out of the 100, yeah. I, I used WordPress. Oh, wow. Okay. You're, I took, you're a, yeah. I took a special what I place in heaven for you. <laughs> I took what I liked and I yeah. put it, What okay, okay this is what's going to go into the blog. And then let's clean it up more and then let's refine it more and let's cut it a little bit and come back and add. So then after that, I used a free tool called Readsy, um, which has a free book formatting tool. And that tool is better for fiction probably than for nonfiction. I had ultimately, I had this whole formatted thing but it wasn't formatted exactly the way it needed to be. Just there were mistakes in the formatting that based on how I wanted the book formatted weren't weren't working out, right? Unfortunately, at that point, I didn't have a Word backup. This was like instead of using Word or using Pages, I put it into Reedsy's tool. And I think Reedsy's tool is great, but it's not going to give you, if you don't have it formatted right, the word backup that they give you isn't really good enough to put into another formatting tool. And the the different versions that you download just aren't really formatted for what what, what I needed. So great website. Really cool free tool. 
I would probably advise more for people who are using it as a writing tool than just to kind of take something written, put it in, and then format, particularly a nonfiction with images. So I, I ultimately, I had something that looked pretty close to what I wanted, but ultimately I just didn't feel like I can get there. And I also kind of felt like, well, how many times am I going to write a book? Yeah, I say this is my first book, but what if I don't want to do another one or I don't have time to do another one or whatever? So if this is what's going to be out there, uh, maybe I should pay somebody to do it. So uh, a good friend of mine, Dale Roberts, runs self-publishing with Dale, and I asked him, he had these videos on YouTube, and I watched with different formatters, different cover designers, and I also asked him about somebody that I picked out of his video. He's like, yeah, that guy's pretty good. And so I, I went to work with, uh, I hired somebody who's on Fiverr, it's not $5 for a really good, <laughs> but that's, I, that's what I did. And I also used the cover designer who he recommended, who I was thrilled with what they came up with. And again, I did that after spending probably two weeks and a lot of overnights trying to design my own cover and having two finished fronts and backs done. And then going, well, let's see what a pro can do. And, of course, what the pro did was much better than... I mean, I think what I did wasn't bad. Like, Dale was like, you could legitimately publish what you did. I'm not a designer. So for me to get there, it took a tremendous amount of work. But what she did, I don't know if you've seen it, but this is the cover. I, I love it. I, I absolutely love what she ended up doing. I like the, the back cover. Um, the spine, she did, uh, really, uh, probably better if I hold it towards the camera. I don't know, but <laughs> anyway, there it is. Um, so I, I couldn't praise her enough. The, the, in, the guy who did the interior did a, you know, really nice job on, on that. Um, let me just, our, our friend, Chris Curran from, uh, mm -hmm. podcast engineering school, yep. um, and for each each person who was on the fifth anniversary show, ooh, he really gets the green screen going. It really does. Uh, yeah. I I did. A, I, I put a screenshot of them from when they were on the show, and then I added one or two uh, one or two image quotes if there was uh, a lot of content to break it up a bit. And and then I had the uh, the last. That last twenty five or so they submitted by in writing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a little easier on you, or was it, <laughs> or was it just as hard? You to still have... got to chase people. I mean, people yeah. are more. When you say it's a book, people are a little bit more getting on the horse, but it's still like, you know. Yeah, I, I know, I know. You sent out mm -hmm. an email for your five hundredth, and mm -hmm. by the time I saw the email and everything I was doing, it was like. Oh yeah, try and remember. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's not that I didn't want to do it, so I totally understand. Like, <laughs> no, it's it's things come up. I mean, you asked me, and and it's complicated now. If it was just on a blog post, uh, mm -hmm. that's one thing. But it's getting published in a book. Oh, I got to get clearance. Like, right, right. That's one of those. All of a sudden, work gets involved, and you know, you're kind of like, well, Ross, I'll be honest, it'll be a lot faster if you just leave me out of the book. I appreciate that. Right, but. right. Because so, I, I think I asked you 
when I was first doing the blog post, but I already knew like yeah. I was, this is going to yeah. be a book. Yeah. And he said, no, thanks or whatever. And I didn't know yeah. why. So I, I asked you again, as it was getting close to the deadline, I'm like, I can't do this and not at least have <laughs> made sure the gym knows that it's a book and that, yeah. you know, I want, but I totally, totally understand. Uh, I appreciate you being good with me about it. Yeah. It works a little weird on that one. So, so I don't, so you got all the material together and right. you're ready to publish. They got the cover. They actually print it. What is it? I'm okay. So d did you have to pay to like get this thing? Actually, you know, are you, are you putting thousands of dollars up front to get this thing printed? How did, how did that piece work? No. So yeah. I'm paying for the interior formatting and I'm paying for the cover design. Hmm. Um, and there might be a little tool here or there that helped along the way that I'll probably remember. But those are the two primary things that I'm paying for, for the book. Um, and obviously, I'm paying in time, right? There's an opportunity cost because it takes so much time from doing other things. But that's the main investment. The, the Kindle side, because after that, you, you have your your EPUB document, which if you want to put it on Apple books, you have that. Um, you have a, uh, like a word document, you have a PDF, you have all these different documents. And I don't off the top of my head now. And, and like, I could have probably taken an exam on this and gotten, you know, a hundred out of a hundred. It's like one of those things, the class is over and now I don't, but one of those documents goes here. One of those documents goes there, but basically you have to, you could, you, if you use Kindle, um, there's two KDP options, right? One is to do a book. That's a paperback, um, which is, you know, the printed, the actual printed book. And then the other is to do an ebook. And there's also, you can do an audio book as, as well. I'm not sure if that's KDP or if there's another place within Amazon, you do that. I ordered a cut. I, I had a, I had the designer create a cover for the audio book, but I kind of feel weird about reading something where I'm one of the people in the dialogue. I just like, <laughs> And well, Ross get, said, and then Jim said. Well, you could. Well, you could get the guests to come back and do a read their own, you know, read their own parts. Now that's a lot of work. Coordinating a oh my a hundred people to do that. It would be yeah. You would it, you you would you know. Yeah, but, I could also pull the audio from, but <laughs> that that would be. I, I don't know, but yeah. I I think either I would. Hi, have somebody read it or just probably go, you know, two versions of this is pretty good. Um, so you have to, you, you, you have an, an ebook version, which people would buy and then read on their Kindle, or you can read it on Amazon. It's got a read.amazon something website. So if you have Kindle books, you can read them online. You don't actually need a Kindle. Right. There's also a Kindle app on your phone or on a on a tablet so you can you can do that and you can read books so your book for the ebook the formatting there's a there's an ebook formatting that you want to have but it's not specific to typesetting per page because how many words fall on a page is going to depend on which device somebody's reading it on and which you know, what size they've got the text at and, and so forth. 
The print version is um, print. I did print on demand, which is, I think, how KDP generally works. There may be other options, but the uh, the idea of ordering a hundred of these and selling them from my home, <laughs> you know, going to bookstores. Hey, you want? <laughs> I, no. So I, I did print on demand, and that basically means I set a price, and there's a certain percentage you get from each sale and that's kind of how it works and they so actually you order print it? a book you order amazon it? Yeah. prints it oh. and they ship it to you wow put a cover on it and everything it looks like it's a real thing and this is one I at ordered a time this huh? just like like you would from uh, wow one at a time hmm. wow and then they must have figured it out you know i guess so yeah and then i also use put the book on ingram spark which is a publisher print on demand publisher mm. so that enables me to sell in other the paperback in other places mm. other so, countries or no well amazon i can sell in all countries i have yeah. a my own store on each of the amazon my own book page and author profile on each of the different countries they're all in english but they're on each of the different country sites that Amazon has. Um, my And it's actually one of the really cool things, like the day of, of launch, um, seeing my books like on the bestsellers in Canada and in the UK and Australia and France and on the charts somewhere in India. It was like really cool. And it actually hit number one in, in Canada a couple days after... Um, after it was launched, um, obviously most of the sales are, were, were in the U.S. Yep. Um, and so, uh, just to think about all the all that goes into it. Okay, file size. Here's another thing I never would have known. Okay, so I had no idea that when you do the ebook, what you can price the ebook at depends on the size of your file. Because file size deals with delivery and bandwidth and such. So if I had been promoting for weeks in advance that I was going to sell the ebook for 99 cents mm -hmm. on the day of launch, and the file size was like, you know, 90 megabytes or something. Okay, so we're reducing the file size. Now we're reducing the quality again. I'm doing this all within 24 hours of when... I had marketed that the book was gone out, written everybody in the book to tell them, you know, today's the day, you know, would love it if you shared it out, if you, you know, left a review, obviously, hint, hint, buy it for nine, it's only 99 cents, you know, uh, we want to, we want to try and get a number one, you know, so I, I got all this and I'm like, what am I going to do? I can't get this down to size. I go in and I take out what I all the, the images that weren't the images that that were the the graphic quote that main graphic quote with the contributor's picture and a, and a quote from within their prediction take everything out but that in terms of images still doesn't do it i take all the images out now i'm below a megabyte now when i upload and each time i have to upload it wait open up the reader thing and see what the size is and all that, and then get to the pricing page. And it tells you 
Yeah, this book can only be sold for two ninety nine or above or whatever. And then finally one ninety nine when I got most of the pictures out except for a few, but that wasn't good enough because I promised I was gonna sell it for ninety nine. So eventually I had to sell it without any images in. But until I got to that point, that was like a level of stress I, I just wasn't prepared for. Because yeah. I'd already been cranking to, to get to that point. Right. And um so anyway, it, it it all worked out fine. I eventually, when I was ready to 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 make it a two ninety nine or above book, then I uploaded the full quality with all the images. And Amazon had promised that it was going to push that to the people who bought it ninety nine cents, but they haven't done it. So I, I need to remind them on that. <laughs> So pretty but usually they don't do that, but in this but, case, I was a first-time author, and I, yeah. you know, I told them that I didn't really understand how it worked. <laughs> so pretty, pretty stressful getting to that. So you get there, and you're like, "Oh crap! I pro- I, I promised ninety-nine cents." Did Did you feel like though, like actually, it may have been better just the words as opposed to having all the graphics in it and all that other stuff? I don't know. Um, I mean, yeah. I think it was kind of. How many did you sell at ninety nine cents? Do you remember? I, I don't know, but I sold the most the first day, the, yeah. and then the first, you know, each day was a little bit less. And I also haven't been promoting it. I mean, I did like a launch party. I, I think I went on like four or five live stream podcast shows. You know that that day, and then a couple each day after. So I, I slowed down, but. I was hoping, and again, like, I don't know whether this is the only time I'll do a book or not. So, like, let's try and get a bestseller. I know and you know, you guys know that Amazon bestseller isn't like getting New York Times bestseller or Wall Street Journal bestseller. And those two, by the way, can be gamed and aren't completely, uh, but they're, they're a different level of authority, but... I can explain if you're ever interested why those aren't exactly uh, without their flaws either. But we know that, you know, Amazon has a lot of categories and, you know, it's always refreshing every hour or so. So you don't necessarily need to sell a million books to get a number one bestseller. Um, so I was hoping to get a number one bestseller in at least one category. If I if I got that for one hour, could take that screenshot, I would be like, okay, I got the most out of this experience. Well, it turned out that um, I ended up hitting number one in 17 categories. Oh, nice. Congratulations. And, uh, yeah, it stayed at number one in in one category for three weeks. And for like the first week or so, it was number one in multiple categories. And it just like I was just I had no idea that this would happen. Yeah. Now, I got to give a lot of credit to my friend Dale, because one of the other things that you have to do with Amazon is they'll ask you for keywords. So he helped me with researching keywords and they give you two. There's two categories which are aren't the same as Amazon categories. So they're they're whatever the standard book industry options are. So that's what you open up, and you can choose which two of those you want. But had I not had a friend who specialized in this, 
I never would have had any idea that you can actually write to Amazon once your book is live and request that they change your categories. So we came up with a list of 10 categories for the paperback book and a list of 10 categories for the ebook. And that I'm sure helped because it helped Amazon know what categories to put it in. And, you know, I, I didn't hit number one in all those categories. And I think I hit in number one in some categories that I didn't ask for, but I'm sure that was a, that was a big help in terms of Amazon knowing what categories the book would be a good match for now now ross okay so i get all the awesome marketing that you did right. but seriously like i'm looking at your reviews they're all five stars couldn't you at least buy one or two like <laughs> four and three stars just to make it look real like <laughs> they're all five stars ross like and and you got quite a few 23 is that I think I, I think, think I got twenty five global maybe yeah something something I haven't in there. checked you, in a while you, you got them but there's some some names I recognize Kyle Bondo is out there and and gave you some good reviews so well that's a lot of the people other... who gave me reviews were either in the book or yeah. they're fans yeah. they've been in the predictions yeah. before so they wanted to get the book and well and that's um, a good way to get like you have so many influencers in your book they're gonna want to come to Amazon and put a good I mean. Right. The synergy on this thing is is pretty good. I didn't push on it, but I did send out an email that said, you know, it would be great if you left an honest review. That's yeah. all I said. I didn't no. say, you know, five stars. Yeah, or no, what they're, not gonna, they're not going to they're not going to shit on their own book. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm in this book. It's terrible. Like, right, they're not, right, they're right, not right. going to do that. Right. So but um, the other people, obviously, some of them just did it and left it. I mean, it's not all people who are in the book. So, OK. So Ross, hold hold that thought for a second. I gotta ask Mike. Gotta ask him this question. All right, Mike, you've seen Ross has taken us through. He's given us the the good and the bad, right? I mean, uh, yeah. of of writing self publishing. <laughs> what do you think? Are you in? Is this something you're thinking about? Like, have you ever thought about writing a book? And after hearing Ross talk about it, how do you feel now? Uh, so I don't think I've told like. I don't even know if Hannah even knows this, but like writing uh, fiction was always something that as a kid, I used to like write these as a little kid, like not not old enough where it made sense. I used to like write like 10 page front and back like things. And it's something I've always liked doing. Now, I ended up finding that my medium uh, that I like to do was YouTube and those sort of things. And that gets enough, but still something I would do what I didn't know before this whole conversation was just everything that goes into that. Right. And, and kind of all the different steps and, uh, but at the same time, there's a lot that goes into it, but man, has Amazon made that easy. Mm -hmm. Like think about back in the day, the cost you'd have had to go through with a publisher getting into the stores and you did have to prepay for a bunch of stuff. So like, it's kind of cool to see how technology has changed that. Um, but still, yeah, an insane amount of work going into, to putting a book out. It's a lot. I mean, like, Jim was right when he sort of like, now you got the content. What what next did you have to do? Yeah. Um, I've always heard everybody who's written a book, whether they've self-published or gone through a traditional publisher, has always said, you have no idea how much. Like, everybody says, oh, my God, you have no idea. You really have no idea until you do it. Right. Now, I know that and next time I know what I'm 
what I didn't know last time, so at least I could plan better if I do another book. Um, but it's there's a lot of there's a lot of work and there's a lot of. You, you, it, imagine if you only, if you didn't do a podcast every week and you you didn't do five oh five, but you did one every three years, and it was going to be your only <laughs> podcast out there, and. People were going to judge by, you know, did anybody yeah. watch it? Did right anybody on. leave a review? Did anybody right like it would put a lot of pressure into that? Yeah. And if you promised things and promoting it, you had to deliver. Like I did a book extras thing, so there were I, I didn't promote this in selling so much, but it, you know, another way to get people on the email list and so forth. Because I don't know if I've mentioned to you, but I've recently become finally convinced that doing email is a good idea i don't do as much as i should yet but i'm doing it i'm actually doing it instead of not doing it at all and i can tell you that most of my time online it's been all about promoting on social and going live for this book i did primarily promoting through email and the results I mean, I think the results speak for themselves in terms of my expectations. Now, I still went live. I still posted on social. But because the lead up was just so intense, I really didn't have a lot of time. I didn't go live at all on my own. Mm -hmm. And I I rarely posted on social. Lead I just didn't have the time. Um, but I did put together like a five email, five days of emails to go out to people on my list and you know, a free chapter if you sign up. And then I did these book bonuses. If you get, you can put your email in and so forth and you can get, so that all takes time because you got to also what you have a bonus. Now you got to create something. So I created kind of a, a, like a how to get started with live streaming or three elements for your next live stream. And then I put a bunch of, got a bunch of special offers together from, from products that I like or, use and you know put those together for people who buy the book if you yeah you know yeah. um yeah so it, well, it, but there's Ross, a lot to it there's a lot it, there's every time we take you you we stop i'm like oh there's that other thing to, yeah. like it, this could go on all day <laughs> ross was it here's the question was it worth it to you like i mean you get done it's out there it's it's done like you know you've had two months of sales it's going to tail off at this point. It always does, right? right? You, you, it just it just is. Whoever's going to buy it's going to buy it. You'll have some slow sales over the next six months, and then it'll, it'll tail off, right? What did is it was it enough for you? Did the reward or the rewards, whatever they were for you, did those were they enough for all the work that you put in? That's the I question. Think so. I think, I think good. so. Good. I'm really happy I did good. it. Yeah, good. I would have to seriously evaluate if I want to do one on my own again for going through a process like yeah, this. Yeah. Um, but having as much as I love video and audio and blogging and all the different aspects, social content that we do, there's a certain permanence to having this kind of thing that just when you have your first one in your hand, it's like, I, it's really like nothing else. Um, and I know in, in doing all the interviews that I've done, if somebody has a book and I'm doing the introduction where you, you know, you mention two or three things about them, 
usually their book is one of the first things that you'll mention. It just, there's something that we give, even though everybody can write a book, everybody doesn't write a book, yeah. right? And I'm never writing one. We also have a tendency <laughs> because being a published author was so prestigious that anybody who's probably 30 or above still gives a super amount of credibility when somebody's an author on a subject. Mm -hmm. Our DNA is trained that way. Like we're trained to, you know, look at a loud noise, even though we may be sitting comfortably in our home and there's nothing around us. Right. So it's just like, it's in our DNA. So I do think it's, I do think it kind of validates when I, when I, if I talk to somebody about, I've built a network and I, you know, I know who, who you who to hire for this job or that job related to live streaming or podcasting or you know um I can get a show together or an event together and bring on some some people it's no longer bs it's like hey it's right here <laughs> you know um whereas the other way it's it would take somebody a little more research into what I've done and people right. don't don't have time and so a book's a shorthand it's like it's like a degree in something. Does it mean that you're capable of doing it? No. That you could perfectly be self-taught and be as good or better. But it narrows down from 10,000 people who want a job to 300 at least. Yeah. It gives yeah, you a right. starting. So right. having a book yeah. gives you a better chance to get a speaking gig or a better chance maybe to be a guest on a podcast that you'd want to be on or to get a guest. I don't know if it matters or not. My life has been pretty good without, without having a book. It, it's been, right. Right. you know, it hasn't been immeasurably better in any major way other than the personal satisfaction, which is probably more than anything of like yeah. big well, project done. Right. <laughs> that's why I ask you, Ross, that's why I asked you that question. Like, it only matters to you. Right. Like nobody else's opinion on this book matters. No. Right. It's was it worth it to you? And do you know, do you want to have it? And it's I mean, it is a great way to get like, you know, you're not gonna get writer's block when you're asking other people for content, right? Because right. they're they're motivated to give you content. And so it's gonna be there. You just gotta go through the steps of putting it together. Some of us are great with content creation that's original. I don't happen to be that way. I'm kind of a, I like to go, I mean, I like to interview people. That's my favorite thing to do. I'm always better when I'm interviewing, less better when I'm talking. That's just the, that's just the way it is for me. But I know that, right? So, right. Ross, in the book, there's, it's all about digital, you know, digital media, live streaming, kind of things like that. For this audience, we're kind of thinking about those gadgets and not necessarily physical gadgets, but as we think about technology in live streaming, with social, some of those kinds of things. Anything stand out from those hundred predictions when we think about this audience that you found profound as you were as you were editing, thinking about, writing, going through the book? Any of those kinds of things stand out from a, a technology perspective? Yeah, I, I think that the next big thing that's coming, whether it's in the next three months or the next year or two years, I think that e-commerce is really the future of live streaming in a lot of ways. And what's going to happen is the ability to purchase in stream, the ability to, I'm, I'm watching the show right now, and you were earlier talking about your favorite drink. 
and all of a sudden a little overlay pops up in the corner of the screen. And if I want to order a case of that, I just tap the glass. I don't my credit card info's in there. I don't have to leave. You don't have to tell me a link. Um, people in the marketing world always kind of talk about live streaming as top of the funnel, right? You're shouting out to the world. People kind of find out about you, and then later on, you sell them something maybe after building a relationship, showing value, all that kind of stuff. I think now uh, live streaming may well be the place that you go to talk to a, a salesperson in a sense, or you go to actually do the purchasing. Like if Jim had a course on podcasting and I wanted to take his course, maybe I just tune into one of his Q and a live streams, ask him a couple questions and go, yeah, you know, this is going to help me. And I just tap that little icon on the glass that says enroll and it swipes my credit card in the back end and, Boom, it's up there and there's nothing nothing more that I that I have to do and I get ready to start the class. There's no friction for me. I don't have to leave the live stream. I don't have to try and remember the link. You don't have to come up with a link that's friendly to mention, a special link that you go like, you know, jimcollison.com slash class or something so that you make it easy because you're doing this verbally. You know, you don't have to put links in, in the chat necessarily. I don't know. But this is where I think it's going, and I think um, every platform, should, if they're not thinking about this, they should be. They should be thinking about things like product shelves and uh, ways to integrate purchasing within live streams. And so should third-party tools that we use to produce our live streams should be thinking about how can they make it easy. And then tools that are built around shopping should be thinking, how can they bring live streaming into those tools so that anybody who provides an, closer to an all-in-one solution, I think is going to have an advantage. But the major overriding theme of a lot of predictions were e-commerce yeah. and that yeah, live streaming... It's going to be going the way of QVC, Home Shopping Network. You see Amazon Live right now is is kind of taking off with some people who've been big on, you know, very, when I say big, very involved on YouTube. Right. I'm not right. sure, you know, they may have a lot of followers, they may not, but they see, okay, Amazon Live, I can get some reach right now. And, you know, organic reach isn't so great on Facebook and LinkedIn and some of the platforms. So... Amazon Live, when you go live there, you have a product carousel. I think eventually that will, will be a touchscreen kind of thing, too, where they make it even easier. But right now, you're watching the live stream. Underneath it is a product ca carousel that the host puts under there. So, uh, But people are doing a variety of content, right? They're not just going on like, this is my favorite microphone. Buy this. And this is it. like they're doing conversations mm -hmm. like we're having. But they have their products in the carousel that they know relate to what we're talking about. So the book would be in the carousel. We're talking live streaming, some of our favorite live streaming gear, some technology, you know. Yeah. yeah so yeah. so they, I see that as one major theme. Mike, let me ask you, you know, in the Twitch space, there's a yeah. lot of this. Now, it's 
it feels more Patreon like. In other words, it feels like here's a tip or five dollars for this. I was watching a YouTuber do this the other day where he was like, okay. I'll do this flip on this trampoline, but you give me a super thing. I forget what they call super it. Super chat. Yeah. Is it super chat? Super yeah. chat. And he did it. And I, sure enough, all these super chat donations started coming at five, 15, 20 bucks. You know, I was like, Oh, Holy cow. The, holy, you know, Holy cow. This thing actually works. Wh- what, a, what do you, you're a young kid, right? What, yeah. what, what do you think about that? <laughs> well, in, okay. So it's funny for me because when, even when I'm scrolling YouTube, Unless it is a gamer, um, I usually avoid the live streams. And the only reason I do that is because for the people that I follow who do it live, I know that afterwards it'll be, you can go back and watch the whole thing. And I don't like jumping in the middle. Like I don't like with gamers, you're not missing anything. If you jump in the middle, the end, whatever, like it's just, so I always like to kind of wait for the abbreviated version or to a version where I'm not cutting in the middle. Um, but that, that's not to say that, you know, I, there are other instances I'm talking about specifically when I'm scrolling through YouTube, I'll kind of wait, but especially on, cause a lot of my favorite gamers have moved from Twitch to YouTube. They're all they're like, there's a big exodus from Twitch right now over to YouTube. And I've been really enjoying to everything Ross just said about kind of the, the usability of the stream and just how everything flows. YouTube, I think does a lot better than Twitch. Um, the way they lay out their chat, the super chat and everything like that. Now they have a lot of things to work on to catch up to Twitch in order to make sure the revenue is there for the Twitch streamers, right? Like gifted um, subscriptions, which it's not subs on what is it on YouTube? It's um, members, right? Or something like that. I think it's memberships on Twitch. It's subs, right? So you can't gift those like you could on Twitch. Um, but the interaction, I can totally see Ross's point on it's getting a lot better. And now you've got all these Goliaths in the gaming space that are kind of like, oh shoot. Okay. Cause now it's, now it's competitive. Twitch just had it and it was it. That's where you went to stream games. And now that Facebook and YouTube are starting to really steal a lot of their people, uh, because they have better platforms and the discoverability, right? Like for me, the live streaming integrates deeply into all of your other content and that's what i love about youtube right is you've got your live streams and then those feed into i'm going to youtube i got my short clips that do much when i say short shorter videos right edited content really fine-tuned topics that do great for seo and discoverability which kind of get them there and then that can lead into your live stream right i think that's what a lot of these twitch streamers are seeing the benefit of it's more discoverability um because it's mixed in with a lot of that content. So that's something that I I'm really excited for is the usability in that space. I'm, I'm probably not the right person to ask on live streams and other spaces, um, but in the gaming industry, it's, it's making a huge difference. I was just actually, so I was in, I was in Orlando on Monday with one of our wealth advisors. I was helping him. Um, we were, we were uh, doing a pitch to another opportunity and on the drive down, cause I flew to Orlando and we drove to Melbourne together And I was explaining to him kind of all the different revenue streams that a Twitch streamer has and just how they make money. And, you know, we were talking about the the super chats, right? And the subs and the donos. And he's like, well, wait, how's a dono different from a super chat? I'm like, well, just just wait here. And I was like, I said, and then you've got YouTube ad revenue on top of that. And then you've got all of their apparel on top of that. And I was like, this is how these guys make multiple millions of dollars every year. And some of them, a couple million a month right? Like that, these guys are really successful. And it was just, even as I talked through it, I was like, man, you just start thinking about how these platforms have really changed the game. Cause there are so many different ways now to monetize. And I always like it when it's monetizing without kind of 
feeling monetized. Uh, it does, right? Like we're donoing, but at the same time, like it's a way to interact with that live streamer. They read the dono messages, right? Or there's like some sort of trade of, of value there. I, I don't know. And it's, it's probably just perceived at this point because it's really just a guy that you like who's reading your message. But. Is everyone doing what really big on Twitch? Are they all gamers? They may do other kinds of talk, but are they all at their core gamers? Um, I mean, there are definitely big creators who aren't gamers. The biggest ones are gamers. Yeah. I mean, on Twitch, because that's what Twitch started out. Now, Twitch, you can do a lot of talk show stuff. You can do other content. You can do podcasting. Um, but the bigger ones are the gamers. And, and you got to think a lot of that is because gaming is something you can do for hours and hours upon end. And that's where revenue comes in for a lot for, for these guys, right? Is the length of stream, the donos that come in during that and the super chats and all of that. That's the, I think that's why they end up being the biggest because they're on more, right? They are, you can, I can almost count on, I know my schedule, of my guys, and they are, there's rarely hours that they're not streaming. Um, they're on so often. So it's kind of like a constant source of if I'm looking for entertainment, I know Tim, the tap man's probably on if it's the afternoon. I know Dr. Lupo's on if it's early in the morning, right? I know, you know, uh, uh, Nick Merck, see, he's going to be on and it, like, you just, you kind of have your, your go-to people. It's almost like turning on TV and like going to ESPN because you like sports, like, cause you know, it's going to be on. And you know it's going to be talking about sports. Well, I know Tim's going to be on. I know he's funny. And I love watching him play. I don't care what game he's playing. I'll watch him play anything. Right, right. Just because he's funny. Yeah. I, I think on on Twitch, it's in the book, actually. I mentioned it in the introduction. There was a, there was a time when just chatting, the category just chatting, yeah. actually passed uh gaming in terms i think of hours watched or hours streamed or something like that okay i don't remember the the metric but just chatting is differentiated from podcasts or live stream talk oh, is it okay. shows so i don't know if just chatting is like you just kind of open a room so to speak and you're you, you're just ch like i don't know why that's considered a different category from but when when i was multi-streaming and would go to twitch nobody said to me put that set your category as just chatting in fact it may have been Streamyards' default that the category would be podcasting and webcasting or whatever it's called podcasts i think and shows or something yeah well and it's interesting because i think I think you're you're probably onto something because and that must be why. So, for example, Tim the Tap Man, he's he was probably the biggest guy on on Twitch, one of the biggest guys on Twitch. He just recently moved to YouTube, but before you know that category makes a difference. So the first he ended up switching. He used to be just he would jump on, he would get into the game, and then he would talk while he was playing the game. He switched his whole strategy up two years ago. In the first hour and a half to two hours, he's just chatting with his chat. Like it's just him mm. and his chat. He's got such a following, right? He's got 60,000 people watching him whenever he gets on. He would do just chatting and change his category for the first hour and a half. I think it would put him into a different category. His metrics would change a little bit. He'd get featured in different areas. And then as soon as he started playing, right, he obviously switches the category, then switches to whatever game he's playing for him, Call of Duty Warzone, right? That's what he's going to switch it over to. But that I, I'm wondering, Ross, if that's why. I wonder if maybe those start to pick up different things and the featured in certain areas and... Maybe that's why he started doing the just chatting for a while and then switching over to the gaming. Try to be relevant in multiple spaces. And and I think people want that access to 
people that they enjoy watching and listening oh, to. That's probably so, true. It probably increases revenue a bunch. You know, that's when he gets all of his donors because right, people right, want to talk right. to him, right? Because he I, only reads messages from donations. Ah, yeah. there you just answered your question because that's yeah. what that's how super chat works. You're you somebody's providing info or advice or deciding who the, who they're going to talk about or to. You want to get that shout out or you want to get your question answered. Put a super chat in. You go. You kind of cut the line. In fact, with the biggest people, you probably can't even get in line. Super chat is the line. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and his chat's scrolling by so fast you can't read it, and so he really just he focuses only on the uh, the donations or super chats, whichever one, whichever platform you're on. Yeah. It, it, it's it's fascinating to me. It's absolutely fascinating, and it's it's even more fascinating that you know. I'm not young, but I'm definitely, you know, I'm not old yet either. I'm kind of stuck in this weird age where I'm still kind of into gaming, um, but I'm, I'm definitely not a young kid anymore. And, uh, you know, I have, I have kids myself, right? And so uh, I've even, you know, donated and subbed and all this stuff. And I'm like, man, they, they, he's even got me involved just because it's, it's, he's such it's a contagious. cool creator, right? It is. It is. It's weird. It's almost like it almost triggers the same mental thing for me that dopamine hit the like gambling real quick does. Right. And it's almost like you donated and, and he said your name. All right. And he read your thing. It's, it's weird. It's a very weird kind of, uh, kind of thing, but uh, it's, it's great. And you just want to support these guys cause they're, they're fun. They provide a lot of entertainment. I should probably pay him what I pay Netflix. Cause I watch him <laughs> way more than I ever watch Netflix. Um, when I, when you put it in that, you know, those terms. Yeah. I got Netflix for like a month. Because there was something on it I wanted to watch, and I never watched anything else after that, and I ended up canceling it. <laughs> I need to do that, honestly, because we do the same thing. We'll end up watching a show on it, and I could probably cancel it for eight to nine months out of the year. Uh, well, this show would lend itself on Gadget Geeks, uh, and it looks like my audio is bad again, but so we'll give it a second here to catch up. But um would be perfect for some that engagement from selling, you know, we talk about these products to have them and we could drop the links in the chat and and do it that way. It's it's different, you know, as this this form of influencing has come on over the last, you know, 3 to 5 years whatever. In old schooler, like we, this it was enough to do this, like get on have a chat room. I mean, I remember when I first started podcasting 15 years ago, 14 years ago. This was a big deal, like to go oh, live yeah. and to have live video and you have a chat room was a big deal. Like that was enough. And today those are just table stakes for the most part. And, you know, I, I don't know, you know, Ross, I've just a few minutes ago, I showed chat coming in in real time without reading it. There's been sometimes I, I spend time reading the chat. So you bring it up and read it. And I don't know what's the right, like in, in all the, all the cool kids, this chat's coming up. They're just showing it, right? They're not reading every single thing, but I see, I see it popping in and off the screen, you know, just like it's there, it's gone. It's there, mm -hmm. it's gone as a mark of engagement. I've always been one to think, no, I need to read it. If they're going to say it, I need to read it on the show because that's my audience has been mostly audio. Right. And so mm -hmm. if I'm just showing and it's not even making it into the audio bit. And so it's I, I always kind of think, no, it's important for the audio listeners for me to say who and say what. But the whole this whole new change switch to YouTube and Twitch, it's all visual. It's a hundred percent visual. This isn't the the audio streams for these guys don't make any sense. 
right? They, they're not putting it out or they shouldn't be putting it out as a podcast because they're doing so much visual stuff, right? Either game showing stuff or whatever. It's, it would just be like watching a YouTube video and doing the audio only. It doesn't, it kind of doesn't work. So Mike, I know I'm not, listen, next week, we're not going to start doing some of that. We're not going to dab. Did I get the word right? Is that right? Come on, dab for us. You know, that's somebody on on Twitch did that. I was like, like, like really? Isn't that, that kind of an old thing? Anyways. So, um, it, it, it is, it's just a different way, but, but Ross, I appreciate that. You kind of talking through that because man, it is coming like a freight train. Like it, it, there's no denying it. It's coming. What you're saying, merch merchandising sponsoring these super chats that's that's gonna be a thing like it's just gonna be so we have to i have to get ready for it somehow so if you haven't already jump in super chat i don't even know what to say like (laughs) jump in this give give me a i don't know you're enjoying the show give jim a super chat just yeah (laughs) just give me a thumbs up for god's sakes like i'll even just take a regular thumbs up down there on youtube uh, if you want, if you, if you want to get that done, it, it, Ross, it changes things as I've, as I've known you, you know, in the years, the four or five years that I've known you and we have talking about live streaming, we have really run the gamut from just basic live streaming to now income streaming. Like these live streams have so much income implication to them and they have more tools to be right, able to do, right. to do those you know, we Patreon, we thought Patreon, Brian, Brian, oh, hold on. I'm, I'm already falling down on the job. So Brian gives us a thumbs up there in the chat. So Brian, thanks for doing that. Um, your bank account will be minus five bucks. So no, just it won't. So I'm not, um, I'm not seeing super chat on. No, uh, I don't have it. Too. Oh, okay. I, I was just going to say, I went to go do it too. And I, <laughs> I was, was like, gonna, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I would sorry. I don't think I can. Like, don't you have to have a certain like volume thing? Oh, or... you may need five hundred or a thousand or something subs. Oh well, I've got I've got a five fourteen hundred. So, so uh, you have to apply to be monetized. Maybe have you done that? Yeah, I think I turned it on. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think. Well, so maybe I just need to go turn it on. Yeah, you may, you may just be flipping a button in your settings. Hmm. <laughs> And it may be under community. You know, there's that community tab. I don't know if it's there in your settings, but it should be somewhere okay. in your settings. Yeah. Not like anybody's going to use it. Although I say that and then people subscribed on Patreon and I, I'd say, oh, nobody would sponsor a mug on Ask the Podcast Coach. And two people have sponsored the mug, right? We've got a <laughs> coffee pour sponsor that that does, you know, does the coffee pour. We've we have Patreon subscribers that, that, uh, so I always kind of say that like, yeah, nobody will ever do that. But Mike Weger is a perfect example of a guy who would do that. <laughs> this That's is what true. I hear from you, Mike. Yeah. Like, you, like you're like, it's a dopamine hit. I need, yeah, a- right. <laughs> it is a dopamine hit. That is a hundred percent correct. <laughs> I don't get it. I just, I struggle to separate. I, I spend money other ways. I have my mm-hmm. own vices, cigars. Uh, but it, it is, I, I struggle with that. That's not a, that's for me, that nickel and diming of, of, of people is not something It kind of makes me uncomfortable, but that you're for your generation. There's no, I mean, they do it all the time, right? I mean, the, the nickel and diming of the, of the entertaining, uh, or entertainment industry is where it's at today. Just a little, Hey, a dollar here, five bucks there, 20 bucks there, you know, in, in, in all these 
these kind of gimmicks or gadgets, whatever. And look, if you have a, I mean, you don't even have to have a huge show uh, audience, but if you have a decent sized audience and a bunch of people throw in five bucks, 10 bucks, somebody feels generous and throws you a 20 or a 50 or whatever, you get out of a, an hour live stream, you might have a few hundred dollars and that's not nothing. Right. If you go live, right. You know, four times a month or five times a month. Now, now you've you made eight hundred or a thousand dollars from that. And same thing with selling merch. Like I think the way things are going, there are people who are making a lot of money and they're doing it largely with small purchases, but they're doing it in volume, right? They've got merch on their website and they're selling T-shirts for twenty bucks, and they've got a course for you know 1999 but they're getting so many people who want to learn from them the first step of doing whatever it is they're expert in i i don't know there's different ways right and then there's people who do the big ticket item right they're they're looking to put that mastermind together for ceos or something and charge you know fifteen thousand dollars a month or something insane so i think there's people on all ends of it uh, the other thing that's different, Jim, and, and this is what I'm I'm looking into a lot, and I've been focused on for probably the the past year, and that's virtual events. Mm. In other words, instead of a live stream show for some things, let's make it a virtual event. Mm-hmm. And I I think organic reach isn't very good with a lot of the platforms. Um, a lot of the platforms watch time isn't great because there's a loss of, there's just so many distractions, right? You're on Facebook, you're getting pinged, you're getting messages, somebody else goes live. You feel like you're in the scrolling mindset. You don't, I'll say hi to Jim, drop something in the chat, then I'll go on to the next thing and the next thing, right? But changing the mindset when you create an event, and you promote it as an event. Now I'm not going to watch Jim's live. I'm going to drop into Jim's live stream on Thursday night. I'm going to Jim's event on Thursday. And there's a different mindset with the the events that I've put together. I've gotten people who stay more than half the event time. So I did one that was eight hours. And the average watch time was four hours and 20 minutes per attendee. And I did one that was my book launch party was like two and a half to three hours. The average watch time was over an hour and a half. Um, You won't get as many people as you might get on a busy Facebook page. But once you go deep into those analytics, you you almost don't want to do that because then you see like 60% of the people never turn their volume on, you know? Yeah. Just make that jump from three second views to 10 second views, then move it out to one minute views. If you haven't lost 90% of the the views, (laughs) you know, you're probably not looking at your numbers, right? Right, right. I'm not saying that's in every case, but I'm saying that, and these, so I've been looking at that and I've been looking closely at these virtual event platforms like Hopin and Hubelo and some of the other ones and... There's features there, like you can have virtual expo booths. Hublot's got a virtual lounge. 
Hopin does this like one-to-one networking thing where they mm-hmm. use AI to pair you with somebody. Mm-hmm. And you can video chat and you can message people and um, you can have more than one session going on at a time. You can go live in your, your booth if you're a vendor. So, you know, there's the opportunity to also sell sponsorships. And um, I think... And people sign up with their email address. So there's a lot of things in the virtual event that, well, I think the weekly podcast show or live stream show is still probably most suited for social media. But I do think that when it comes to a book launch, like I'm hosting a book launch for uh, a friend and and his co-author on Tuesday, and I was like, let's make it a virtual event. Let's put an event platform and, you know, invite people to an event and have some guests drop in. So we'll have different sessions, you know, different things on the schedule. It's going to be a one track, one stage event, but there'll be different elements to it. We're going to also have a, a booth, an expo booth for your book. I'll have one for my production company kind of thing. And let's let's make this an event and we'll see. You know, I have to keep doing these and testing it, but. So far, I think there's a lot of promise in virtual events, and I think it's not just a pandemic thing. I think now, I don't know about you guys, but I I think I'm much more likely, like I probably pre, pre-pandemic, I was thinking, nah, you know, I'll host, a, I'll, at some point I'll host an in-person event. You know, that's a lot of money to lay out ahead of time and a lot of logistics, I can get a lot of the same value from hosting a a virtual event, not have to travel, not have to pay for a hotel, not have to buy a block of rooms, not have to rent a ballroom, not have to deal with lighting and sound and all that stuff. I can do it from from right here and I can give people who are great speakers an opportunity to speak. I can sell, you know, to to vendors, an opportunity to have a booth and to sponsors and things like that. You might not sell at the price that you would for an in-person event, but it still can be, because the overhead is so small, it still can be a profitable thing and it can be a, a brand building thing. Now, if everybody ends up having one, like everybody ended up having a Facebook group, then having a virtual event may become very commonplace. But then it's like live streaming or podcasting. Everybody can have one, but can you do it well? Can you bring something to an audience where they'd want to come back 505 times to listen to it? Yeah. Right. And I think, you know, the interesting part there is I hope a lot of those companies, because a lot of those like the hop-ins and all those, the virtual, um, virtual conference stuff, I think is super cool. I worry and I hope they can stick around through this lull because I think what we had is we had this big spike with the pandemic of all these new companies doing really cool stuff. People are webinar and live evented out though. Like we have just, I think across the industry, people saw all their webinars, their live events were just skyrocketing, doing so great. In the last six months, they just plummet because everyone's just like, oh, okay, we've been doing this for like a year. I want to get back in person. Now I think it's going to come back up. I think, I think, cause you're right, Ross, this is some cool new stuff coming out. It's innovative. It's awesome. I think we just wore people out with it for too long during the pandemic. And I hope they come back because, you know, what we're seeing in our industry is just like, it, like I said, it just we're like we need to get back in person for a bit, let people reset. And then maybe the, the webinars, the live events will pick back up. 
especially because the ones that are utilizing all the cool technology, that is really cool. Like all that, you know, the, like you said, the virtual booze, even I, I love it. Um, right. I hope that this little though, doesn't, you know, I hope the, I, cause they're smaller companies, right? These are like little startup companies. I hope they can survive the, the little lull the industry is seeing right now. Well, Hoppin bought StreamYard, and it's now, I don't know, is it oh, approaching, really? is approaching $10 billion in valuation or something yeah. like that? So, I mean... And I don't think this environment's trying, not they're dying, trying right? to be, like, they're, What's that? Like, this environment right here, like live mm-hmm. podcasts, those sort of things. I guess it, I'm, I'm equating it more towards, like... Zoom. You're uh, thinking of Zoom, right? Well, I'm thinking People more like Zoom the, fatigue and I, stuff. No, well, I'm thinking more like the webinar space of like right, companies right. putting on of instead of having bringing everyone into a room and having conversation about one of like mergers and acquisitions or or you're doing education on retirement, you know, I, right. you know, I'm in the wealth management space. Instead of bringing them in, they were doing those virtually in webinars and they did really well for like a year. And now people are just like, I don't want to attend another webinar. I don't want to attend another virtual event where I'm not physically introducing myself to these people and networking. Um, I guess that's more of the, but in this environment, it's, it's going gangbusters, right? right. I think just some of the more corporate, you know, say quote unquote sales or educational scenes. It's, it's, it's having a rough time. Well, I, I think some of the keys to doing it is, and I, again, I haven't done enough to really have discovered what I think works and what I like and don't like. But I, I'm, my sense is that on one hand, you want it to feel like an event. So you've got some of those elements, like you've got the virtual expo, you put the photo booth in, you yeah. do things like that. You have some networking, you have some breaks, you have a music lounge, somebody can go listen to music or something like that. But then there's also the thing that you don't want it to be just to replicate an in-person event so it seems like a bad copy of it or it's like, <laughs> yeah. this is it's what we're point. missing out on. And you yeah. also don't want it to feel like a Zoom or a webinar or something. Mm. And using tools like StreamYard to connect, it can really feel like more like a live stream except an event full of live streams and yeah. full of interactivity and live chats and contests and polls and q a and all that that kind of stuff i mean i think the key is to make it much more interactive than a webinar is and more fun and more yeah. varied varied like i i think i had for the one the one that i did was eight hour event i had every speaker like 25 minutes it was like 20 minutes of content five minutes q a and you know you could really almost do like five minute opening and go right into q a with all the questions that people have and cause they really want like get their name and their question read. Like you were saying before, it's that little yeah. dopamine hit. Um, I think the other thing is, and I, I don't know if you guys have ever seen uh, office hours on, on YouTube. It's all these production guys and they get together and they talk about like what makes good live streams and events, and they have a lot of tech uh, background. And and one of them said, you know, one of the biggest reasons the host actually Alex Lindsay said one of the biggest reasons for Zoom fatigue is bad audio. That's true. That if if <laughs> that's a hundred percent true. It's it's you know the tire it, because it, it engages more of your brain to have to process like figure out what's going on there and you're straining to hear and it's it's unpleasant you know so that's one thing that contributes and the other thing is when people are doing these really bad virtual backgrounds where it's coming in and it's coming out or they're yeah. 
you know, they think that they're they're doing something good by changing the screen constantly and flashing messages on the screen and all. Like, even if you're not that conscious of it, all that stuff tires you out because every time the screen flashes again, it's it's like an engage you know it's it's engaging a part of your brain right it's sort of mm. like oh look there there it's like you're, over well, it's like over stimulus and your you brain's tired. trying to figure it out like it's like what's wrong with this like we're that we're we're good because we can discover and differentiate between what's real and what's not right and then you see a weird image it's not cut out right and your brain just goes I don't know about this. Like, I don't know. Right. So it's working to kind of, to solve those problems. It's like, even when you're doing a live stream and you see somebody's got a door open behind them and there's something in your brain that like, I don't know if it's the primitive part that like look out for a wild animal, but there's always something that's like, I wonder what's outside that door. At least for me, I'm like always kind of like, and I don't know why I'm doing it. Like, I'm sure it's not interesting and I'm not, Going like, oh, I'm, I'm I'm afraid that there's something bad coming through that door. Mm-hmm. No, there's just like this curiosity on a low level throughout the live stream. Oh, I wonder what's on outside of that door. Right. Yeah. No. No. Right on. Well, Ross, uh, we don't have. I mean, even though we do have unlimited time, we don't have unlimited time in the subject. But I want to thank you for coming on tonight. Hey, thanks uh, for having me uh, again. Your book, a hundred. A uh, hundred live streaming and digital media predictions, and uh, and you got a bunch of content creators uh, in the community. I know many of them, which is which is super great, and uh, and, and available on Amazon. You get uh, Kindle for two ninety nine, and the books. I, I'm assuming if I buy the twenty dollar book, it's going to get printed. Amazon's going to print that yes. for me and ship it, yes. which is kind of cool. <laughs> you know, when you think yeah. about that, you're like, um, wow, books on demand. What a great. What a great idea that you don't in the old days, you'd have boxes of books mm-hmm. that you're, you are trying to peddle. So thanks for coming on. Um, what's your website, Ross, where should folks go to, me. to find you? Livestreamuniverse.com, livestreamuniverse.com. And a, and a good friend of the show also hanging out with us Thank you. Uh, in the chat room on Saturday mornings over to ask the podcast coach. We see you from time yeah. to time in the chat room and you're a big contributor and a good yeah. uh, Dave Jackson's supporter. In the book. He is he okay? And well, he's quoted on the cover. He's better. He, Dave Jackson's better than me, so that's good. That uh, that's good. Ross, Mike, and I are going to wrap up the show. We won't uh, we won't make you suffer through that part of it. So thanks for coming in. We'll, <laughs> hey, we'll, it's been we'll, a pleasure. You bet. Thanks for your support. Thanks for Appreciate having it. me. You bet. Thanks, have a good Ross. E- have Talk a good soon. evening, Ross. You too. Take, take care. Take care, Mike. You bet. Yeah. Uh, a couple reminders on our way out, uh, man, a lot of, um, uh, the, actually the second half of the show where we spent some time kind of talking about the mechanics of live streaming and where it's going. That's, that's super interesting. I was like, Oh, so I, I, so I went to YouTube <laughs> and signed up to be a, to get super fan. I guess that's what it's called. Yeah. Right? Super yep. Fan. Yep. Super. Uh, and then there's the, what's the other one? Memberships. I think is the other one. Yeah. yeah. I, was, yeah. I was looking through my, the settings as well. That's a little more like, that's a little more in depth. Like I'm going to have to think about that. Cause that's, well, that, that's, that's like, like a Patreon. Right? Exactly. Like instead of it using is. Patreon, you would just say, Hey, become a member over on YouTube yeah. or have both as an option. We've been thinking a gallop of doing, I shouldn't say we, I've been thinking a gallop of just doing a strengths morning show. So an hour, um, and we could do it on uh, clubhouse, but I, I, I don't like the engagement over there. There's nothing to do, but listen, like I want more interaction, right? I, would you believe Jim that I have never even, Oh, like I never been on clubhouse, never been on clubhouse. Uh, I feel like everyone has. Yeah. You haven't. 
it's just audio only, and there's not is a it, lot of ways to engage. What's over the benefit there. of it? Like, what's the thing? It's not recorded. Oh, so yeah. just live stream audio. Yeah, not recorded. Not recorded anywhere. Not recorded. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, not recorded. So is That's, that why it was getting kind of a rap for it? It was like you could go there and just start spewing your mouth. Yes. There was a lot of yeah. like super one side of the mm-hmm. other politics going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. I uh, yeah. So, anyways, it, there's some. I it, it maybe it's time. I'm always I'm always last to come to these things, but uh, you know, I. I we're well, not last. I, I would be last if I came to it. I haven't. I well, just Clubhouse, but I mean like super yeah. fan and some of those kinds. Of oh things. yeah, yeah. That's kind of well, you know, and and a lot of that is really. I mean, I guess you. I don't know. I'm trying to think of the podcasts. I guess there's no other podcast I watch on YouTube for the super chat portion. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to pay more attention to see when people are actually doing a lot of super chats. Yeah, I just don't want to do it. Like yeah. I don't want to do what has to be done to do that kind of stuff. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to let other people do it. That's fine. That's, right. that's fine. Mike, I shut down all the mining rigs, you know, that we, I thought, cause you know, I've been having some bandwidth problems during yeah. this show. And I thought, well, maybe they're sucking up some up upload bandwidth and no, they're all shut down and I'm still having, it's like every minute it drops and then comes back and it drops so and comes weird. back and, and it drops. And you think it's a local up. device, like a switch or a well, cable or anything? Here's like that? what's weird is my buddy um, today. One of the guys I work with is having this exact same problem. Like it's probably bad right now, right? Yeah, is it, it is. Yeah, yep. yeah. 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 So he's having this exact same problem. And when you run a speed test, it's absolutely fine. Yeah. But so I think, uh, I think after the show, I'm going to call Cox and say, Hey, got this weird thing happening uh, where it's it's fine speed test is fine but when i'm live streaming i see a dip in the i see a dip in it and my video gets bad and my audio gets bad and it's it's pretty noticeable and it's been happening for the last couple weeks i think they did some upgrades and Uh, i think they messed it up well i feel for you though because you know how that conversation is going to go Okay, yeah. can you run a wire? Did you reset your router? Yeah. Now, what computer are you? Are you, and then she's like, "Oh, it's probably computer issues." Like talking to Did them. Did you try about it on sort of a stuff. different? Yes, yeah. and that's true. Yes, I, did, I do need to run a test on. I'll have to run a test on another computer. So I'll open up a live stream and yeah. run it and just see what it see what it does. Well, so maybe I won't call him tonight, but it's doing it right now. Like you know, yep. you're like okay. Hey, oh, it's been doing it the whole show. It's been weird. And it I know. It didn't do it. Didn't do it two weeks ago. Yeah. So I don't last. know. I don't know. Better not be this. <laughs> it it glitched it right when you said the name, so we didn't hear it. Better not be this blank. It's almost like the computer's like, "Don't say my name." <laughs> it's listening to me. Yeah. It's, don't, all right. Well, you're not going to let's let to have anybody else suffer through it uh, on there. Ross, thanks for coming on. A couple reminders on our way out. One, uh, Aaron Lawrence is here next week, so um, hopefully I'll have my internet fixed by then, and we'll have a great show with her. She'll bring a ton of great content, ton of great gadgets. We're going to talk some coffee, Mike, next week. She's been mm. reviewing some of the Nespresso stuff. And so we're going to talk some oh, coffee. No, and, it's dangerous for me. Oh, uh, it's going to be, it's going to, I mean, Good I think I, I already I, have the Nespresso, so I shouldn't, yeah. I shouldn't be buying anything next week. Well, but except pods of really delicious Ooh, coffee. Yeah. Right? I have no problem spending money on that. That's just necessity. That's like, I wonder if I could do a live stream of me just making and drinking coffee. That's all. There, have you seen the guy on YouTube? I can't remember his name, but he, he's like the coffee guy. It's awesome. I'll I need to do it. I, I, I need to do it. Um, so Aaron will be here next Thursday. And then we got a long list of folks coming on. So so don't miss us. Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern. 
when my internet works, it's not working right now. It's driving me nuts watching this meter uh, tell me when my audio and video is bad. Um, we'll be back next week. Big thanks to Christian over at Maple Grove Partners. Get It's like right now. Get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting. And I, get, 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 that, that, no, I, that was me. Um, get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting to from people that you know and you trust. And of course, that's Christian. MapleGrovePartners.com. If you need anything hosted, he is the guy to get it done. We are live every Thursday night, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at the Archicot TV Live. That'll end it for the live show. We'll do a little bit of post. With that, we'll say goodbye.